I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe, and that's Cooper moving around in the background. And this is Season 5, Episode 2 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast, where we are going to talk about a braggot, Joe's first braggot. And for those of you who don't know what a braggot is, that is a beer that is honeyed uh, in the fermentation process. So it's, you know, half honey, half mm-hmm. malt. Um, but it is, uh, oh, I forgot to tell you what date, as if you don't know. It is going to come out, uh, this episode is going to come out on April 11th, 2022. And it is our second episode. But uh, we are going to, uh, we're going to talk about Milana now. Milana is a, um, two, I made two gallons of um, an oatmeal stout from a kit. But I decided that I didn't want to just leave it as an oatmeal stout. I wanted it to be also uh, a braggot, so I added honey into it that raised the ABV up to about 7%. And Ricky's had some, so tell me what you think. Yeah, I mean, it's brewed very well. No off flavors, very smooth. I'm not sure how highly I would rate the kit itself because it like, contains the ingredients. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not bad. It's all the flavors are kind of in the middle. Yeah, they they don't they're there. You can kind of taste the oatmeal and that darkness and all that, but they're not spread out enough for it to have like a really good feel to it. So it just comes off as like a nice sippable alcohol. So you know, this might be a really good kit for someone trying like beer for the first time because you know they're they're going to get a product that is drinkable. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of, we've had some kits that when we got done with it, we're like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, about I don't that. know about that, but um. <laughs> But I think it could certainly be be better. Well, so the the there is a different flavor because I've made this kit before. Mm-hmm. The oatmeal stout is just kind of middling. That's why I wanted mm-hmm. to add something to it. The wildflower honey that I added to this, um, I feel I added an extra like flavor on the tail end that you don't get from the kit itself. Okay. So that little bit of like, yeah, yeah, the the kit itself is just like kind of sweet mm-hmm. and a little creamy, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you get this like kind of um, added. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It is unique to honey. Like the okay. there's like kind of a it might have some of that lightness. Uh, yeah, some mm-hmm. some something at the end that's almost like pillowy. Yeah, uh, that that comes in, and that is what that the honey added to it. Okay, so I added the honey in the brewing process, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I didn't add it in the heated process. So I didn't mm-hmm. invert the sugars or anything like that. All I did was mix it in to the uh, to a little bit of the warm um, uh, mash. And then, mm-hmm. you know, put it in the, the, uh, um, or a- after it had become, you know, the, the brew, yeah. I, I put it in the, the fermenter at okay. that point. So I, I'm going to be sacrilegious and I have a little bit of the Boucher left from last episode. Yeah. I'm going to toss that in there. To see what that does. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, the Boucher had, as we talked about, you know, some of that nice oakiness, had a little bit of extra sweetness to it. That was like more of like a a rummy sort of, you know, more, more alcoholic sweetness than just like sugar, you know, if that makes any sense. So one thing that I do know that happens to this is you let it set for a little bit. And it, um, unfortunately, you know, you've, you've That's really good changed though. it. It is? Yeah. Uh, That's mm. it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll take some. That, uh, because the other, you know, the, the Beauchet was so sweet in the beginning, this gives it that extra depth. So it's yeah. got 
It's got flavor at the front. It's got flavor in the middle. It's got a little bit of that really lightness good. in the back. Yeah. So that that means the next time I do this, I'm going to have to use buckwheat honey. Yeah, that might be a good call. Yeah, I, I've uh, uh, um, or I could do it with some avocado honey. That might also be like really good. Yeah, you know I've heard the avocado honey when you brew with it leaves a lot of creaminess behind, mm. and a lot of people like to put that in. You know, things are going to try and have like more beer like quantities or qualities. So yeah, that could be worth a decent shot. Well, we I've got a, um, a some avocado honey. Mm-hmm. It was expensive. Oh yeah, but I got a pound of it, so we can we could possibly make it into like a back sweetening agent or a flavoring agent of mm-hmm. something to to bring something out. Um, so something to think about. Yeah. Uh, but this uh, one of the things that I think about this as an experiment because you know. Uh, in the YouTube channel that I started and then like haven't really followed through with, you know, called myself the accidental brewer. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those accidental, okay. like kind of a discoveries yeah, yeah. that I found that, okay, what I've heard people make bra- braggots. I'm going to try to follow a recipe or closely to make mm-hmm. something that's a beer and, and honey, you know, kind of thing in fermentation and see what that ends up being. And it actually ends up being really good. Um, like to the point that I am very interested in doing this again. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think everybody that brews should at least try it once, especially if you make beer, if you're interested. Yeah. I really think, you know, honey as a sweetening agent has a lot of very unique properties to it. There's a lot of things you can do with it. Um, once I get moving to my house and have a more permanent setup, I'm actually going to get a second vessel and try making something called June, which is essentially kombucha made with honey. Oh, um, a lot of people say it's very difficult because you have to train your bacteria for it. I'm not how, how sure I believe them about that or if that's just marketing so they can sell you scopies more than once. Mm-hmm. But um, I do want to see what that's like. Yeah, uh, I'd be interested in how that turns out. I think I actually, now that this is like opening up, it's been sitting out for a second, mm-hmm. I think I actually like this, this more... Um, you know, sitting here now. I've had this before. I've kind of forgotten yeah. what it tasted like because I've I brewed so many things over the uh, the fall mm-hmm. um, that I kind of have forgotten a little bit of what the the flavors are. But I, I think this is a this is a good experiment. It was a really fun thing to brew because um, it blended two of my favorite things to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and unlike the sizer that I made, which was fairly simple. Um, which I'm going to do that again. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've actually got a bunch of honey. I've got like, uh, let's see, 12, 24. I've got about like 50 pounds of honey mm-hmm. in the in the closet in there. And I'm just going to go through all that. Most of it's wildflower honey. And I'm going to make a bunch of different types of brews. And one mm-hmm. of those things I want to make is a sizer. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about ZSH. Are you familiar with what ZSH is? Uh, some casual Google searching when I saw it show up on the, the list of topics. <laughs> I can uh, use, use a deeper explanation. Okay. Um, so, you know, you have bash, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the bash shell is uh, the born-again shell or, you know, what, whatever, you, you know, you, you use CSH, uh, anything like that. There's all, there's all, like, different shells. So corn shell, you know, whatever. There's fish. Fish is a shell that you can use. But they're all shells that you can use to be able to get into your Unix Linux system. Well, I've kind of migrated over at work to using an M1 Mac. 
And I knew that Max had like kind of done this conversion from using Bash, which they had like this really ancient version of Bash mm-hmm. on them compared to most Linux systems. But they had moved from Bash to using ZSH. Now, you know, polarizing. I'm not a fan of either thing. Like it's they're a tool that I mm. use, and knowing how to use them is fantastic. I I love being able to do work in the shell uh, and at the command line to be able to make you know things happen uh, on my computers, whether it's automations or scripts or whatever. But I've had to start using this more often. And um, so I started using um, OMIZSH on another computer that I had that was like a secondary uh, testing machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like it. And so I was like, well, you know, if I'm going to have to use ZSH, I want colors and I want to be able to like do my shell like a certain way. And now, man, I'm just like customizing everything and getting in and like changing stuff. And I mean, it's the same thing as bash without some of the extra layers. And there's a difference. I, I know there's a difference, but from a, the way that I use this, they're almost the same. I can't use some of my bash scripting like stuff that I would normally do. And my, um, my, you know, bash RC is not exactly compatible with my ZSHRC. Mm-hmm. So I'm having to like kind of like find the places in there where I can use aliases and things like that. But all that said, I've got it colorized. I've got everything going. I even found iTerm2 on this Mac that gives me a lot of the same functionalities that XShell did um, for my Windows computer. And then of course I'm using Bash on my Linux-based machines. So transitioning between the two hasn't been as bad as I thought it would be. Um, I don't know, like you, you don't even have any experience with this, do you? No, I mean, I've never used it, but um, you know, I did run a Mac for several years because I had one for work that we did testing on and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you ran it, but you didn't like use it as your main machine, right? Uh, I mean, it was certainly never like what I was taking meetings on, but there was for quite a while there, it was my test environment for all the NSO stuff we were doing and things like that. Well, but but you're like you were using it as like a server to do things. You weren't like like sitting down and like like that was your like main machine because you you've pretty much always used Windows and and that for your like main like getting everything done kind of machine, right? Yeah. So normally, what I would do is you know I had that Mac set up. So if I was doing something in NSO that needed testing. I would write a lot of it on Windows, but then any of the testing that I would need to do before it went up on the servers would go over to that Mac. Yeah. And I meant to do that with the, um, we got those nice little nooks a while back, and I set those up. But we haven't had a need to use a real, like, pre-dev testing server since then. So it was there and set up, and I log into it from time to time, but it never really took that place. Once I didn't need the Mac anymore, it's because we had, you know, really good dev servers set up. So I just didn't kind of have that need as much for the one in the middle. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's uh, that's legitimate. Um, I don't think – I've never really been, like, that impressed with the way that 
Apple does stuff. I mean, we used to use a Mac for recording this podcast, and now we're using a Windows machine because um, I had some audio issues with getting the drivers for my Focusrite to like load on a Linux machine. Um, and the Windows machine is a little bit smaller than the than the Linux machine that I was mm-hmm. carrying around with me. But all that said, the, the Mac just kind of like. If I was a person that was just using a web browser or doing like general stuff, mm-hmm. but to do engineering work, I just could not get it to work the way that I wanted to. Yeah. It was always causing me problems, always crashing, always having issues. Mm-hmm. And there are people that don't have that experience, right? But that's not been the case with this thing that I've had for like the last like two weeks. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that ends up being like continuing on. I, I'm not, I'm not hopping on it, but being in the Z shell, I'm, I'm gaining a new appreciation of it. Um, there are some things, like I said, that I'm not as happy with. Um, and um, so I traditionally have used Bash like the whole time that I've done things with Unix and Linux. And um, it's kind of interesting to use a different shell and be yeah. forced to use a different shell. Yeah. I mean, I could go back to Bash, but I, it's it's not native and I have to like make it switch and do all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And I could make it switch yeah. back to bash, but it's the native one. So I'm going to try to like use it like this and see how it goes. I'm also going to talk probably about my M one Mac, um, experience a little bit later on after I've had a couple of weeks playing mm-hmm. with it. See how it works out. Yeah. Yeah. It could be good. It could be really good. So far it's been really good. That's about the best I can say. Um, I'm pretty happy with it. So let's talk about what we've done with crypto over the break. I don't think you've done anything, have you? Not really. I mean, I did set some things up. I've done a little bit of uh, mining through Blanket on the site. Um, oh. The one you sent me. You probably know what I'm talking about. Nice hash, I think it was. Oh, yeah, nice hash. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I've done some nice hash stuff and, um, you know, nowhere near as much as, as you have, definitely. Because mm-hmm. I've kind of just been doing it passively. Like when a, a machine is sitting still, I'm like, oh, I could could run that for a few hours and let that grab a little coin and see how that, that all's going out. Yeah. And you're using it like on a windows machine. So you're not running yeah. like nice hash OS. So you just, you're just mining like, um, and then getting Bitcoin as like a return mm-hmm. for it. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I, I, I quit using nice hash for a little bit. I mean, not because like, I, I don't, I wanted to try mining some other things. I've been mining Raven coin and then there's a coin called avian, that you can mm-hmm. still mine with your uh, G, uh, CPU. And so I've been mining that, and I've been mining some Ton coin. So Ton is uh, a staking coin that's not really on markets too much, but it's you know kind of like every other staking coin. It's decentralized, yeah. and it's going to run like a DeFi network, and blah, 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 right? But I thought it was kind of interesting that they had made some Ton, they had generated some Ton coins, and then they had an algorithm to mine them, um, and I wanted to see kind of what that was like. And since I have uh, a couple of GPUs, I have uh, like four gaming computers at this point, mm-hmm. some older GPUs and some newer ones, but they'll all mine fairly well. Um, you know, I, I threw that at it and um, I mined a couple hundred dollars worth of it. But it's, it's an interesting coin overall because everything is pretty much controlled, at least in the the, the coin pool that I did uh, and I really couldn't find any other way to do this 
everything is pretty much controlled, controlled through Telegram. So you can go into it and talk to a bot. Mm-hmm. And the bot will tell you your balance or something like that in your mining pool. And then you can put it into a wallet if you want to. Yeah. You can withdraw it, which I thought was like a kind of novel way to do that. And, um, you know, I at this point, it's a couple hundred coin that I have in a wallet that is sitting there just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, not doing anything. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it was it was a fun experiment. I, I'm still kind of stuck on like either using NiceHash with all my machines because that kind of lets you remotely control them and all this stuff, or um, using like something where I have a remote desktop into my mm-hmm. machines. I haven't quite got to the point where I'm using like some of the other software that's out there. But yeah, I mean, over the break, like I had some fun experiments. I even got to mining stuff on my phone. Uh, yeah, I had, had a friend who was like, Hey, you should join the pie network. I'm not sure that that's not a scam, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll admit I never signed up for that. I looked into it. It's like, well, you know, no one's saying this is a scam, but man, that feels really pyramid that like you get more pie, the more people with you sign up for the pie and they get their daily pie. And well, you know. so the more people you have in your pool, it's not so much. So like it's, it's reciprocal. Yeah. It's a, so it couldn't be a pyramid scheme because the person at the top isn't getting all the money. Everybody's getting it within that pool. It's distributed by having more people. But you can't sell it anywhere. It's not mm-hmm. something that you can put anywhere else. However, it's kind of an interesting thing to learn about um, mining because like a kid, let's say you have like a, a teenager who's interested in mining or cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. and they come to you and they say, how do I do this? Well, let me show you how to do this like thing. So from that perspective, I think it's kind of neat from the perspective of, can you actually do anything with it for the energy that you're expending on there and the advertisements they've started putting on yep. the thing? Not so much, not yet. You can't do anything with it. It's supposed to be going to mainnet though. So it, I, I mean, phones aren't secure. So it's not like yep. I'm, I'm saying that they're not doing something nefarious. I can't see anything that Google's not doing that they would be doing. Yeah, with it. That, I mean that's true. You're you're not any more exposed than you are if you're consuming any other of these large services. Right, and but, and if I get like two, three hundred coin out of it, and those actually be worth you know three or four dollars each, that's a couple hundred bucks. I don't mind that. I'm getting some sort of return on investment. If they never end up being worth anything, yeah, it's a scam. Yeah, yeah. I think that's basically what it comes down to, right? Yeah, and whether or not that'll ever really materialize. Supposedly, they're going to get listed here in the next like year on yeah. our market. So. Yeah, but I mean, to, to your point, the number of coins that hit over a dollar is, is minuscule compared to how many coins actually go in. Yep. So, you know, if it was worth your time at one cent, I'd maybe be more comfortable with it, you know. Would it be worth my time at one cent? I mean, the amount of coin that I'd have right now would be worth very little. I'd have to get a lot more people that were in my yeah. in my friends list, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I'd have to get a lot more friend face friends. Yeah, yeah. It crowd joke. Anybody out there laughing? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, but yeah, so I think the one that I find the most in- interesting is Avian. Do you you remember me talking about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah I did look into that one for a little while. Yeah, it's a it's a fork of Raven Coin, mm-hmm. um, and the thing I find the most interesting about that one is it seems to have the most promise to be something that's at least as profitable 
as Ravencoin, especially since you can mine it while you're mining another thing on your mm-hmm. GPU. You can mine it on your CPU right now. It won't be that way forever, but you can. Yeah. Yeah, and they're worth like a couple cents, I think, right mm-hmm. now. They're barely worth anything, but if uh, they're easy enough to mine that you can mine millions of them before the next event that happens, and then they would be, you know, worth, you know, maybe more because they'll be more difficult to mine, and you won't be able yeah. to mine them on a G, on a CPU at that point. I don't think so. At least I, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Uh, well, so I, I've kind of dominated this because I've done most of the the like stuff. What What are your thoughts on any of the mining that you've been doing? Like. I kind of just do it passively every now and then. I like to kind of check in and see what the, the return rates are. I really view it more as data collection than investment because my personal opinion is long-term. I think we probably are as a society looking at something more like crypto. I don't think a lot of the traditional currencies, especially as we're looking at like all the economic problems we've been having the last couple of years, um, are probably a long-term solution. But I also don't believe probably any of the cryptocurrencies that exist right now will be that alternative currency so a lot of it is is me looking and trying to learn about those technologies and seeing kind of like how they work because i think you know even if it's decentralized when something comes in it's gonna be like okay this is gonna be a currency that everybody in the world can use it no one coin could really come in and and fill that gap ethereum's pretty close i mean maybe if they really keep working on ethereum for the next couple of years you could you could see something there but you know like bitcoin even though it's the most adopted the underlying technology on it can't really replace a lot of existing t- technologies around fiat currency yeah it's just not fast yeah. enough yeah it's not point. fast enough it's got all sorts of issues um and you know and we've we've talked about i think this last time we talked about crypto there, there's a couple of cryptos that transact in times are super quick yeah but they have some other problems you know there's no one crypto right now you could look at and say boom that's going to be it i'm going to yep. get ahead of the game i'm going to have so much of that because that's going to be the new dollar someday exactly one of the i think one of the benefits of it it's fairly easy to move between cryptos so like if you knew something was really hitting off you could buy some um fairly easily with you know trading just mm-hmm. on like a wallet like exodus or something like that but yeah i mean it's not it's not uh it's still the wild west yeah yeah it's the the gold doubloons of uh of the modern currency but i mean at some point somebody's going to have a million raven coin in a sunken you know buried uh in a well chest of crypto wallets that's full of you know you know whatever and somebody is going to dig it up and be like oh you know this is this was a you know ancient currency blah 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 and just like we do with you know doubloons and things like that so yeah, maybe i think i think we have really saturated the market so i think a couple of them yeah like will bitcoin ever be completely worthless no no you know, if ethereum doesn't get picked up will it ever be completely worthless no you're right there will be some level of hey here's these things i have they become like this collector's thing to it but you know raven coin avian probably not probably I mean, not I, yeah may, I, maybe somewhere there will be like a, a crypto exhibit and they'll have one or two of every coin that you can scroll through and say, look at how many existed, you know? So I, but, I meant more like somebody will print it out onto like paper 
like, oh, yeah. like you know, and buried in their backyard, <laughs> like like people used to do with mm. Confederate money or something like that, you know. Um, yeah, but you're right. There's going to be so many of them that there's half, probably ninety five percent of them are going to be worthless yeah. at some point in time in the future. Get them while you can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the people you know doing crypto for money, I th- I do think it's still a decent avenue for short term investment. I mean, people that are getting a couple coins together and then they, you know, oh, it went up in price, so I'm going to sell it and cash that out into something else. Yeah. There's certainly people that make money on crypto, no doubt. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, I think that's still, as long as we've had it, you know, we think, oh, you know, Bitcoin's been around for more than 10 years now, I think, that, uh, you know, it's it's this big technology that people are adopting quickly and it's really taken off. It, it's still so early. Yeah. Um, because there's a, there's a big difference between people adoption and even then, people adoption is generally kind of the nerdy, more technical people. But, you know, the people adoption to the enterprise adoption. I mean, we had fiat currencies for thousands and thousands of years before we really, like, figured out a way to kind of mesh all that together in a global mm-hmm. way. And uh, having cryptocurrencies is probably an evolution of that, yeah. but not the end of it, I, mm-hmm. I definitely think. I mean, that's that, that would be... A little ridiculous. Although I'm a little bit more optimistic that, that we're probably going to have a few that are going to stick around um, than, than just one. I just think that it's probably not going to be in the way that we consider it to be. Like yeah. they're going to they're gonna change and evolve in the way that we're already seeing them change and evolve. Mm-hmm. NFTs, all that other stuff, right? Yeah. Well, um, this has been Season 5, Episode 2 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. Uh, we have Twitter and Patreon and all those other fun things that we can do with, uh, with podcasts these days, but we'd love for you to engage with us in each of those locations or just, you know, on our YouTube channel that I kind of forgot that I post to <laughs> whenever I upload these things. We, we accidentally forgot to post on the YouTube. Accidental Brewer, it all works out. <laughs> well, no, not, not Accidental Brewer. We actually have a beer and broadband YouTube oh, channel. Oh, well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's a good point. We did talk about that one time a long time ago. It, it, I've been I've up all of our um, videos, uh, all of our um, podcasts have been uploaded to it as like a you know audio video thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of forgot about it. Uh, so like I've never mentioned it on the on here. You know, like you can get us from like all the other podcast places, iTunes. Yeah. You know, all those other things. YouTube, yeah, just forgot that it existed. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, that was my bad. But anyways, uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, give us some ideas about stuff you'd love for us to talk about or whatever. And um, yeah, we'll catch you next time.